the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Boxing play one of those driving games. And you're like, wow, that car just blew right by me. How did he not run into my back end? Graphic processing is pretty darn cool. But when you have a slowdown on hypergrowth, there's, I, I, I look at, I like growth, right? I'm a growth guy. Some guys like brunettes, I like growth. Oh, a wise guy. Um, NVIDIA shares have fallen. Gaming's about 54% of their sales. Data center's about 25%. So get out the abacus and we're up 79%. One area where they have growth of the consumer market is China. And we've been talking recently about how China's GDP is starting to slow for the first time since 1990. It's slowing quickly. So gross margins look under pressure right now. And I've always wanted to own NVIDIA, and I'm going to try to get this, this segment over. It's on my shopping list. It fell. Now I kind of want it to shake out a bit. There's four stages of lifestyle, life cycle of a company, right? There's hyper growth. When I was young, not many people had GPUs. Intel kind of threw a bone and would, you know, let you do a little bit of it. But they were never as good as AMD or, or NVIDIA. So now you're starting to see it go from hypergrowth maybe to growth. You know, Intel pays a dividend because in the 1990s they didn't. They were in hypergrowth mode. Everyone's like, what's a PC? Whoa, an 8086. And Intel Pentium, Pentium 2, Pentium 3, Pentium 4. Now they got these I numbers, and they're just calling them like the eighth generation of the i9 or something like that. See, I used to know in the 90s when it was hypergrowth and I cared. Now they're like, we'll give you a dividend, old man, black. I'm like, I don't want your dividend. So there's hypergrowth, there's growth, there's growth in income, and then there's income. For years and years and years and years, PG&E and utilities were income stocks, right? AT&T was an income stock because everyone had a phone. And then we came up with something called cell phones. and like, woo and do you remember we used to pay per text? And you get like 100 texts a month or something like that. And you'd be like, why did someone just text me? And now you text as much as you want. And we used to pay per minute. And you get 300 minutes of cell phones. And the millennials are listening like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about, paying per minute. 300 minutes a month plan. Right? Yes. Good. Right? Um, now I've lost my train of thought. But NVIDIA is going from hypergrowth to growth. And like I was saying, like there used to be companies like AT&T and PG&E who we saw very particularly as income. There's four types of stocks. Income, growth and in income, growth, 
and hypergrowth. You pay more of a premium in risk. You take on more risk with hypergrowth, and that's what happened with NVIDIA. You took on a lot of risk, and when they, their shares broke, they broke hard. Again, I want to own it, so I'm looking for a way in, but I probably missed its hypergrowth phase. Maybe I'll just have to settle for growth. If it goes to $100 a share, I'm in. It's at 135 right now. I know you're saying, man, you're, you're greedy. No, no. I like managing my downside risk. And to me, it's still a little bit too early. And what if one bad quarter becomes two? California doesn't have a lot of cockroaches. I know you're saying, where are you going with this, Rob? On the East Coast, I once went to South Carolina, and I swear to you, I got out of my car to pump some gas. And a big bird flew at me and ran in my face. And I knocked it down, only to discover it wasn't a bird. It was a flying cockroach. And Mama always said, if you see one cockroach, there's hundreds. Mama says stupid is as stupid does. Thank you, Forrest, for adding to the show. Chewbacca never gave me advice on stocks. He always gave me advice on the ladies. Thank you, Chewy. Thank you, Chewy. Mr. T, he's got an opinion on gold. So he's my go-to. Oh, okay. He's in a bad mood today. But you get the idea. Um, Hypergrowth, growth. Growth and income, income. Uh, Company is on my shopping list. Visa or MasterCard. I like them both. I think that's the way the world's going. More swipes, right? And try as we might, we can't totally push these guys out of business. We can't totally regulate them. They're good companies. I like them both. Isn't that funny? It's, let me go back to my dating days when I was a young man and be like, you just meet the, 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 the nerdy girl who, how shall we say, is into you, and she likes you, and when she smiles, it makes you smile, and then the hot, mean, cruel cheerleader comes by, and she's into me, because I'm really good at English, and she wants me to write her English paper, right? I like them both. I can't choose. Right? (laughs) The point being is, that's okay sometimes. I like both MasterCard and Visa. I only chose a Visa. Um, what else is there to talk about today? PG&E's filed for bankruptcy. Wah, wah. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. They're going to get bailed out. But at what level? I don't touch that kind of stuff with a 10-foot pole. I don't like drama. I saved the drama for learning the llama. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. We can talk about the markets, for sure. For sure, for sure. We can talk about the inevitable recession that everyone's talking about coming in 2020 or 2021. Um, Headlines sometimes can make things become true in the world of Wall Street. 
There's a lot of headlines about the ultra-wealthy are now starting to, like, turtle up, so to speak. Get back in our shells and protect ourselves. For the record, I'm not ultra-wealthy. I think I'm wealthy, but it's all relative, right? If I were on the East Coast, St. Louis, Richmond, Virginia, Baltimore, Maryland, I'd be ultra-wealthy, but not here. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. PG&E is warning of possible power shutoffs in three North Bay counties due to wildfire risk. Well, that's what we get, right? When there's wildfires, we get mad at people. Like, how did this happen? How did so many houses burn down? You're supposed to do tree trimming and clear the power lines. Probably the best thing we can do is shut off power to 24,000 plus people. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out because people get pretty angry. Speaking of angry, Swedish activist Greta Thunberg, she addressed heads of state and other government officials in New York at the UN Climate Summit. If you haven't heard audio of it, it's worth either me pulling in a little bit of her audio on today or potentially just go to YouTube and, and hit Greta Thunberg. This girl's pissed. In a good way. Like, how do you have 16-year-old kids that developed? And I think it's a good thing. But uh, people are afraid of her. French President Emmanuel Macron said that her stance was radical. And she's going to antagonize societies. Um, She's filed a lawsuit on global warming issues against major countries. Argentina, Brazil, France, Germany, and Turkey. Um, I don't know if you saw Game of Thrones where they had that little queen who was like 10 years old. And she rode into battle and she fought. Kind of like her. This is probably the toughest stance I've ever seen a kid have and pull it off well. Let's pull a little, let's do a little audio because I, I think this is worthy of note. Shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school, on the other side of the ocean. Yet, you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? There we go. Wow. I don't know why that hits me. It's, you know, it goes back to the children are the future, and we're a very, very lazy uh, countries on how we take care of our planet. I'm not sure who it was, but there was somebody who once said, uh, oh, it was uh, Bill Maher, of all people. He once basically said that, like, why are we going to Mars? We've got a great planet here. Let's just take get better care of it. So Trump uh, tweeted like a jerk. She seems like a happy young girl looking forward to a bright and wonderful future. So nice to see. Wow. Like, do we have to be that mean? I get she's intense. But... It's going, to be a, it's going to be an investable issue at some point in time. Socially responsible environmental issues. 
it also shows that companies that do engage in being socially responsible and environmentally friendly, it shows that they care about shareholders. So 15 years ago, I would have said, no way do you want to invest in a company that uh, has a policy in place about women getting equal pay. 15 years later, I'm like, yeah, you do. No way 15 years ago do you want to invest with a company that um, has a gender equality issue. 15 years later, I'm like, now you do. Um, no way. Like, do you want to invest in a company that is worried about, like, times have changed. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Impossible Burger, I've been doing a lot of reading and a lot of research on the Impossible Burger Beyond Meat, trying to understand, like, what's happening there. And it's pretty interesting because a lot of people, people are kind of deciding one way or the other on how they, they stand on this. And whether eating plant-based proteins are a good idea or a bad idea. And some people, well, they're not very healthy. They're very salty. They've got a lot of, uh, you know, manufactured products in it. I get it. Nutritionally, they're not. But that's not the point. I think the point of the industry that's really trying to develop more of a vegetarian or vegan diet is eating less meat to support animal welfare and to choose foods whose production contributes less to global warming. So that's the Silicon Valley angle on it, not the incorrect, I need to cut down two weeks or you know eating red meat only once every two weeks. People aren't going to do that. So, but anyway, you see where that research is going. Bernie Sanders is trying to compete with Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> I, I hate this because I, I seem like a jerk face, especially after talking about 16-year-old Greta. Uh, but Bernie Sanders is trying to outdo Elizabeth Warren with a tougher wealth tax saying billionaires should not exist. And I, I mostly disagree with that statement. I, I don't think we should be punishing success. I don't think we should be punishing people who figured out you know, how to bring food to the masses or cars to the masses or electric cars to the masses. Um, should they pay for higher taxes? Sure. We, we can agree on that. Um, but saying that they shouldn't exist is pretty condemning. And basically you're saying, you know, capitalism shouldn't exist. That there's a point that you decide when enough is enough. So Sanders is proposing rates for married couples, 1% tax on net worth above 32 million, 2% tax on net worth above 50 million to 250 million. It goes all the way up to 8% tax on worth above $10 billion. And all those tax brackets would be cut in half for single filers. Uh, I don't think that could possibly get through with the Supreme Court. Um, so that's out there. Netflix goes negative for the year, giving up a 46% gain. I oftentimes say growth stocks will pull back 40 to 60% hyper growth. Growth probably 20 to 40 Great companies, blue chippers, 10 to 20. It's interesting to look at Netflix right now. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? 
Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial. Mr. Producer, let me know if Mr. O'Hare is online. I didn't hear. Oh, I did hear the connection. Let's go to Patrick O'Hare. Briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, how are you doing? Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thanks. Good to be back with you. Good to be back. Uh, every time you come on, I, I start looking at the calendar. I'm like, okay, September. End of September. Uh, Christmas is coming. Are, are we going to have a good Christmas? Are we going to rally? Because it looks like the market's trying to get there, but the conviction doesn't seem to have CNBC and Bloomberg guests convinced, if that makes any sense. Well, I think it, it probably breaks down to uh, thinking that you know there could be you know a good Christmas, economically speaking, but that doesn't necessarily have to translate into a a, a good Christmas uh, as we you know as it relates to the stock market necessarily. Um, you know the 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 foundation is in place for you know the consumer to uh, to show up, so to speak, and and to spend um, you know pretty openly as we you know get into this holiday uh, selling period, and that should translate into pretty good sales growth. Um, however, uh, the market being a forward-looking indicator, of course, is uh, can you know sometimes and will uh, jump ahead uh, in terms of uh, discounting what it thinks might come, say, six months after Christmas. And uh, you know the future is inherently uncertain. We've talked about this before, um, but in this day and age, it seems more uncertain than ever. And the market's going to start looking, you know, further into two. 2020, obviously, the, the closer we get to the end of 2019, and what it's going to see there, obviously, is this big old election sitting there uh, in November and the understanding that you're going to have a, a pickup in politicking uh, going on, um, you know, throughout 2020. And you're going to see the market, I think, you know, rise and fall based on prevailing expectations as to who might be the eventual victor in that uh, presidential election. And so, um, you know, right. Right now, uh, again, the you know, market is con- sitting near all-time highs, you know, continues to to have this abiding hope that everything's going to work out A-OK, uh, and that includes the trade negotiations with China, And uh, but there's no closure there yet. So, um, you know, so the consumer's just kind of, you know, doing, it, doing their thing. Um, you know, to reiterate, has good foundation to to spend uh, pretty pretty openly here in the holiday selling season, uh, but uh, but we just don't know you know what's coming down the pipe there as it relates to the trade uh, outlook and or the uh, election, and so that's going to create some volatility. I think that uh, you know might make things a little more challenging for the stock market. Certainly, interesting times um, moving into earnings season. Um, right before the Christmas holiday shopping season. These are big times right now. Um, Inside your page one, which I dig, uh, it's a great way to start the morning. You talk a little bit about China and the U.S. and Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, and there seems to be a lot of confusion in Washington these days about who said what and who promised what. And Any thoughts on will this China-U.S. thing get get resolved? If you're a betting man, are, are you angling that way? You know, I'm 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 not. You know, I think that uh, you know, 
given the, the you know the cultural divide, I, you know, you know, China has a longstanding history of being able to you know stick things out and take pain a lot longer, I think, than uh, uh, than Americans do. Uh, and you know, I think that you know. President Xi is going to continue to take a pretty hard line there and not really acquiesce and look weak in the face of U.S. demands to basically transform the entire way that China chooses to do its business and to uh, and to codify that in in the laws within China. Um, you know that that's just not going to happen easily and readily. I don't believe, uh, particularly if President Xi is is uh, perhaps you know anticipating a change in leadership in the United States uh, and so um could there be some sort of uh, overture that you know kind of looks like things are are, are going to be resolved in a partial manner? Maybe, but you know the president just said uh, moments ago in his speech at the UN General Assembly that he he wants a complete deal, uh, and uh, and he's thinking in, in political terms too. And that uh, you know if he were to kind of bow out with only a partial deal, uh, he risks upsetting his base of supporters too, as he as he looks uh, potentially uh, soft or or uh, on on this matter of trade, or at least not going the distance like he promised he would to get that complete deal. So a lot of political nuance involved here, uh, and certainly a lot of uh, cultural nuance involved here, and, and a, probably at the root of it all is really, uh, you know, pride at stake for both for both men. <laughs> oh, I think the Bible says something about pride, but it's not a good ending or something like that. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to go into the Bible. Um, <laughs> take a look at some of your notes. Um, I see some big names in your uh, page one. Microsoft in the news at a trillion dollar valuation, capitalization. Amazon in the news at $883 billion. Um, there's been a lot of talk recently about the Apples, the Alphabets, the Microsofts, and Amazons. Maybe there's a rotation from these big momentum names, these big growth names. Um, do you see that happening, or is the cult of what's working now going to win out, or... Uh, any thoughts? I know they're all different. Apple's got probably a better valuation tied towards it. Google's got a lot of legal issues. Microsoft seems to be on a roll. Amazon's got a, a feud with Trump going pretty aggressively between Bezos and Trump. Um, are all these the same, or, or is it time to rotate out? What, what are the tea leaves telling us? Well, I think you, you did touch on something there, Rob, when you said of, you know, kind of what's the cult of working now. Uh, you know, there's yep. been a constant rotation within the stock market uh, on this trek to, you know, the doorstep of all-time highs. And, um, you know, there was a clear, uh, you know, I think pretty much tactical uh, trade that was, you know, put in place a few weeks ago when you saw that massive outperformance of the value stocks versus the high multiple growth stocks. Um, you know, uh, there's... There's concentration risk in terms of owning the Apples and the Googles and the Microsofts and the Amazon because those stocks have worked so well for so long and they're you know owned far and wide and um, you know by many fund managers who who realize that they can't afford not to be in them at this point because they move the market and um, and it's it's you know going to be a case you know. 
sounds cliche, I guess, but uh, you know, it works until it doesn't. And uh, the risk, though, because they are so widely owned uh, across so many funds, uh, is that when they when they really don't work and 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 they do more than just consolidate, they actually trade off sharply. Um, you know, that's going to factor greatly in terms of uh, the performance of the major indices, especially if it comes within the context of a very weak growth environment. Um, yeah, you'll get some rotation to some other, you know, um, areas, but uh, but if that uh, weak growth environment uh, effectively leads to, you know, to a, uh, an earnings uh, uh, decline of, of, of magnitude and, and potentially a bear market, then, you know, nothing's going to be safe necessarily in that, in that context. So, um, you know, so Right now, you know, if you if you, you see these um, the data that's coming in, uh, you know, a little better better than expected, notwithstanding today's consumer confidence report, um, you know, you could you could see some potential for the for those value based stocks or those stocks with less demanding valuations to continue to attract some interest. But you know, I think as we look ahead, you know, the growth outlook is 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 challenged, and uh, you know, and as you see. Uh, and it's challenged, you know, just by virtue of demographics in one sense. But um, so when you see a, a period where you have a slower growth environment, you're likely to see the continued gravitation and outperformance of of those growth stocks. Um, but um, but right now, yeah, it just is kind of one of those uh, periods where they're not as uh, as popular as they used to be, uh, but they're hanging in there, and that's helping the uh, the market to hang in there uh, at these. Uh, you know, know, all-time highs or close to them. I hope you get a laugh out of this next statement. Will you hold my hand when the markets go bad and some of these big names are falling apart? Because I'm going to need a little confidence backdrop so that I can convey that message to listeners. I looked at uh, Netflix today, and it's down big for the year, and Mm -hmm. everyone wanted to own it, and suddenly no one's asking me if they should own it because they see Disney+, Plus, they they see all the negatives now that they couldn't see then um, it's been a while since we've had a, a negative psychology, a really pervasive negative psychology, and we're seeing it in one stock that used to be beloved, so to speak, Netflix. Well, that's right, Robin, and you know, you know, it's a good kind of microcosm of what maybe could potentially happen if if you get into a really you know bad period, and that's why you don't you don't wait for that to happen, right? You know, now's the time when you have a market that's trading at a pretty full valuation and, you know, everything in terms of the labor market indicators are about, you know, as good as they've been on, on record. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's a time now where you start to think about, okay, you know, maybe I should look at some of those stocks that have had huge runs like the Netflix, you know, um, you know, those story stocks, the Beyond Meats and things like that, you know, and, and, and you know, take something off there and, and then also look at your equity component of your investment portfolio and, you know, is it too overweighted to the Microsofts and the Apples and the like or too overweighted in technology and, and really make sure you've got some proper diversification there so that when you get into a more challenging um, earnings and economic environment and stock market environment, uh, the pain is not as, as severe as it would be otherwise. And that's why I read your column and I trust briefing.com so much. It's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com, a great source of domestic and international news and content tied towards the financial markets. I believe that's not biased. You can check it out for yourself at briefing.com. I'm Rob Black. 
Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I was hinting at this recently in the show, that Beyond Meat and Impossible Burgers aren't healthy. And I've started seeing a lot of media reports where... Experts from the meat industry. I know you're saying the meat industry. That's right. And nutritionists are saying that the burgers really aren't that healthy for you. Of course, that's what the meat industry is going to be saying, right? So we we throw that one out. But nutritionists are saying it. And I I think the point is that it's, it's really not the point. That it's not really about health. If you're wanting a nutritious, heart-healthy meal, you'd eat vegetables and whole grains and fruits and all the other stuff. There, there's healthy stuff out there. This is people, in my opinion, who are trying to change you know, animal welfare and the costs of doing business, of you know, global warming and the, the footprint, so to speak. I throw that out there for a second time in large part because... Once you get the psychology, you may get the idea for investing. It's, you know, the psychology of technology. Don't you think there's something there that we used to have to have the new iPhone? And we used to, like, wait. Like, I can't wait till September 10th. They're going to be showing us their goods on September 10th. I wonder what it's going to be. I wonder if it's going to have a laser. Got a question. Lots of questions about... um, Buying duplexes and real estate as an investment. First and foremost, what I would do is start doing a lot of homework. Look at vacancy rates. Look at look at average rents. I'm not against the idea. If you've maxed out your 401k, if you have an emergency fund, I'm okay with the idea of looking for investment property. I don't like the idea of doing it in Memphis, Tennessee. Because you've maybe never even met, been to Memphis. Real estate is really a mix between a stock where you invest for appreciation and a bond where you invest for a coupon. In most markets, you're getting cash flow on a monthly basis. It's important not to have any emotional baggage when you look at real estate. You can't say, you know, my daddy lost the farm. I'm afraid. And you also can't say everyone. I know millionaires who who bought real estate. Sometimes you can be stupid and make good money. So one of the things I want you to do is do your research. It's important to get into the weeds when researching investment properties. When I was 20 years old, I decided I wanted to buy a rental property in Raleigh, North Carolina, because it was right smack in the middle of the research triangle. And... I guess I was a little bit older than 20, but that's about all the research I did. <laughs> I'd been to Raleigh before as a drunk college student, but not as a guy who was looking for housing or golf courses or perks that may draw, you know, a good, someone to buy my home from me one day. A good school system, for instance. Laws governing rental properties vary considerably from state to state and from town to town. So you got to do homework on that. You want to set aside a cash cushion if you're going to be investing in real estate. 
for maintenance costs and legal fees that are bound to happen. Some sort of stress will happen. You'll get hit with a squatter. Something will happen where someone comes into your investment property and falls down the stairs. And my brother David was a personal injury attorney before he became a judge. And the way he described it is like, you know, on occasion there'll be a 18 year old girl whose dad takes her out and buys her a lot of drinks, her and her three friends, and they get trashed. They proceed to get in the car, they crash a car into another person. My brother David said, you know, so here I am trying to bury four four girls for ultimately $100,000 or whatever the insurance company is going to give, and you can't do it. The math just doesn't add up. So you have to sue the bar, the bartender, the car maker. You have to check to see if the state was doing work on the roads at the time. And you have to kind of bundle it all together sometimes. So I want you to have a cash cushion because you are going to get sued at some point in time. And it's not going to be because you did anything wrong because you're going to be attached to it. Now, the other side of, of buying a rental is you have to understand a lot of the people that are going to sell you the information about how great it is. They, they're the mortgage company or they've made a, a deal with the developer. If you listen to a our commercials here on the radio station, there's a, a development in the East Bay that's selling new homes. Well, we're not marketing and advertising it for them for free. They're paying us. It's a, a paid relationship. It's a commercial relationship, right? So in any sort of real estate transaction, a lot of money's made by the people in between. Am I happy that I have a rental home? Sure. It's worked out well. I, I have a great property management company that has saved me a lot of headache. Am I happy that it's in an area that's cheaper? Mm, yes and no. When things go bad, it's not that expensive. So when the roof needs to be redone, it's not $10,000 automatically because you live in a pricey zip code. So elsewhere in the world of real estate today, home price growth is unchanged. I kind of see this as a neutral. It's not a winner or a loser. But if you take a look, the hottest cities for home appreciation were Phoenix, Las Vegas, and Charlotte. Phoenix and Las Vegas, last time I checked, are deserts. Charlotte's a great city. They don't have a lot of industry there. Phoenix up 5.8% year over year. Vegas up 4.7%. Charlotte saw a 4.6% increase. Seattle down again. Interesting, right? Annual price decline. San Francisco, L.A., and New York barely in the positive. That's good because San Francisco, L.A., and New York had a great 10-year run from 2006, 2008 to about 2016, 2017, 2018 in that area. So I think real estate should pause and, and, and digest their gains for a while, two or three years. I know that doesn't make me popular. I'm not looking to be popular. I'm looking to get you to retirement. Find me online at robloxshow.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.